0: Hello, I'm your host, Grayson Brulte. Welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today, a show about emerging technology and trends and mobility with leaders and innovators who make it all happen. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to be joined by Sasha Meyer, CEO Moya, and Jan Becker, co-founder and CEO Apex AI. On today's episode, they'll probably discuss the recent partnership that enables Moya's autonomous vehicles to scale. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks a lot for having us. Hey,
2: Grayson's. Thanks for
0: having us. I'm excited to have you here because you're both working on very important parts of of the autonomy stack. And in my humble opinion, partnerships are one of the keys to scaling autonomy. Without partnerships, autonomy doesn't scale. Sasha, Moya announced that they'll be using the Apex AI's operating system to develop its proprietary passenger management position for the autonomous driving ID buzz AD, which I think is really, really cool. I'd like to take it surfing one day, but we'll get (laughs) to that in a later part of the conversation. Why did why did Moya choose Apex?
1: Yeah, first of all, I, th- I think we should give a brief explanation uh, on, on what passenger management is so you actually get an idea. So what we talk about uh, with, with passenger management is uh, all the secondary tasks that a driver takes besides driving. So welcoming the guest, making sure uh, everything is safe and sound, um, that all the legal regulations are followed. And that's exactly what we are building with the passenger management. And when we started the development and the concept Conceptualization of of what we are building inside the vehicle, we quickly realize we need a solution that helps us to build a secure and certifiable system using the latest software development methods. And back in the days, uh, our CTO Ralph stumbled upon APEX actually in a podcast. So more or less, it's a get back to the old days uh, session here for us. And, and that's where our journey started together with, with APEX.
0: Uh, Jan, what does that architecture look like? As Sasha mentioned, security, and you and I both know that's very important. What does that architecture look like, and what is what is it enabling Moya to do?
2: Mm-hmm. So Moya uses our two core products, Apex uh, Grace and Apex Ida, as the basis for the Moya passenger management system. So Apex Grace is a software development framework, and that makes it really easy for application developers, in this case the developers that develop the passenger management system, to write these applications in an agile, fast way, such that they are robust, reliable, and scalable. And then under Apex Grace sits Apex Ida. That's a software package that provides all the different communication modes between different components of the software, between different computers in the vehicle, and also up to the cloud.
0: Sasha, would an example be that the user profile, so you have passenger A, B, and C, that you build the user profile on there, you store their credit card, you store perhaps their their route information if they're using it to go to work or using it to go to school. Is that an example of what could be built on top of that passenger management system?
1: The passenger management system targets more to the customer experience inside the vehicle. So we think of the passenger management system as a bridge between the vehicle itself and then our fleet control so fleet control takes care of all the tasks to send the vehicles from a to b knows about the customers pools them into one vehicle and the passenger management system builds us the operating platform to connect our back-end services to the vehicle so we have connection to steer uh, let's say door opening functions we can look into the vehicle we can broadcast to the vehicle so it actually offers us the, the gate to our customer who is cr- then inside the vehicle to connect to our staff that uh, actually steers and monitors um, the safe and comfortable operation of the service
0: yeah and so you're the doorman Essentially, you can open and close the doors, but then you're allowing that safety. How, how do you do that from a technical standpoint? So Apex
2: OS sits on a computer in the vehicle. On top of that sits the passenger management system. So the Apex OS, consisting of Apex Grace and Apex Ida, that comp- that really provides the basis. And then the passenger management system interfaces with the the actuators, for instance, in, in this case, the door, but also the user interfaces that um, show the passenger what is going on, and also it connects to the backend, so to the cloud, so that the operators in the, on the that, that work for Moya, that manage the whole Moya fleet, can see what's going on in each, each, in each vehicle.
0: To me, it seems what you built with Apex is highly scalable. What what what, what was the inspiration behind it? Was the inspiration to de- build this to deploy across fleets across the world, or did you see a market opportunity, or, or what did you see there?
2: Yeah, the the initial idea was and still is even broader. So back in the days, uh, 2008, 9, and 10, I started to get exposed to ROS, the Robot Operating System. And then uh, at the time I was at Bosch uh, thought that is a great idea to build a scalable omni-applicable robot-based software, you know, which we were all lacking in the time. Everybody was doing, was doing their own thing. Software wasn't interoperable. Uh, Nobody was working with each other. Everybody was working in isolation and ROS uh, aimed to overcome this and truly did. Uh, We forked Apex Grace from ROS, the robot operating system and ROS And on purpose, because ROS was designed uh, such that the architecture is such, uh, so general, generally applicable, that really any mobility application can build on top. Today, ROS runs in street vehicles, in off-road vehicles, in mines, in agriculture, in production robots, in service robots, in toy robots. Uh, We've seen surgical robots, IoT drones, planes, even in the military, and NASA uses it in space. Now, what we've done to ROS is we've taken it to the next level. Uh, We rewrote it in parts, but keeping the architecture intact on purpose, such that the transition from ROS to an automotive-grade application is simple. And we've made it real-time, robust, and reliable. And we've certified it uh, to automotive functional safety to the highest level, such that then our customers, in this case Moya, can build their application on top such that it's also easily certifiable.
0: So, Sasha, you have the automotive certi- certification. Is that and you have the platform that you can use the word more stable or more secure. You can insert a term that you like there. Is that enabling Moya to scale faster as you look to deploy your service, add add more vehicles, perhaps bring on more cities?
1: Yeah absolutely as you might be aware in the situation in Europe specifically Germany is that we have a legislation already this is nationwide to operate level 4 vehicles uh, unfortunately there are no such vehicles in the market yet and that's exactly what we are working on and with the integration um, of our passenger management system into the vehicle that allows us to really speed up the development and all the necessary certification processes. So there is um, operational procedures like um, the pre-checks before you start service. There are certain requirements on how to deal with passengers from a safety perspective that derive from automotive standards. And with passenger management and with APEX as a middleware, we can make sure that we meet the certification and homologation goals to start in a european market to, um, based on the german legislation and as it's supposed that the european legislation will be pretty similar to the german legislation for uh, autonomous driving we will be able to just scale pretty fast in the european market and apex offers us another benefit so if we let's say move towards a new platform we still can use the same systems that we build and the functions that we build today on a new vehicle platform without building everything from scratch. Uh, st- scratch, starting to recertify uh, everything. So this really gives us benefit also if we move on new existing new um, vehicle platforms in the f- future.
0: The fact that you can go from the buzz to perhaps let's call it the X vehicle or the A vehicle or the B vehicle. That, that's a, that's a game changer. Then I want to go down the step one step further. Let's just say you're operating vehicle type A, vehicle type B, vehicle type C. Could that Apex then go across that, in, that entire Moya fleet? No problem.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's at least our assumption that we are working on. So we want to use Apex as the middle layer to actually decouple all the vehicle functionality from the passenger management functionality that we build so it becomes a real middle layer that for us makes it agnostic what kind of vehicle what kind of downstream canvas controllers are integrated in the vehicle we don't have to take care about that because that's uh, what what epics is handling for us
0: jan what sasha is describing to me is that you basically become amazon aws you're allowing him to scale he can build his it's based on there, so you can have a server in Oregon, you can have a server in Virginia, you can have a server in Iowa, and no matter what, if you go to Moy.com, it's still going to load really fast. You can have one in the EU. How is that possible? What is, what is the secret sauce in architecture that's allowing this to happen?
2: So There's actually not a lot of secret sauce. The The core here really is the clean architecture and a universally applicable API that works for all these use cases. So as I mentioned earlier, APEX IDA as a communication framework that really abstracts all the different protocols that vehicles speak. This way we can talk to a vehicle that speaks CAN, we can talk to a vehicle that speaks automotive ethernet or FlexRay or whatever it is, um, without the application, in this case, the Moya passenger management system having to change. And the that is called abstraction. In, in the software world. And that actually goes multiple ways. So you may have different vehicles sitting underneath the passenger management system. You may also have different providers of technology uh, sitting on top. And in this case, Moya, I'm sure they still want to offer a consistent passenger experience across the different markets. And that is then yeah, enabled this. Well,
0: the consistent passenger experience, in my opinion, Sasha, going back to when you first launched at TechCrunch, to me is one of the key defining factors of the the Moya vision going all the way back there is that consistent passenger experience no matter where you're operating. For the past four years, Moya has been operating a ride pooling service in Hamburg, Germany. What have you learned over those last four years and how many vehicles, these are human driven vehicles, are currently in operation today?
1: yeah exactly so we launched our operation in hamburg in april 2019 so two years uh, in development um, we started our flagship operation here today in Hamburg, we operate 515 vehicles. They are human-driven. And despite COVID, we already transported 8.5 million passengers. So this has been quite uh, successful um, to even what we have envisioned back in the days. So what we offer is a ride pooling service. So we have a customer app that allows you to book. We have all the operational management tools that we need to operate those large fleet and make uh, you know, take care that they are fully utilized so that's very important for us a lot of the assumptions that we had in the beginning about what's important to customers actually came true so um, for us it's important that the ride is, is, is comfortable so it's a direct ride it's still shared it's always shared so we don't offer exclusive right that's what it makes it good um, for cities uh, the other thing is that that customers really care about, about privacy. And for us, this is uh, today incorporated in the vehicle design. So we have single seats, there's a wide open aisle. Um, you have direct line of sight to your luggage. You don't have to store that in somewhere in the trunk and don't know if it's still there or someone else is leaving. So a lot about privacy and the perception of safety Um, is is really fulfilled in our service already today and is loved by our customers. The thing that we are challenged with is actually reliability. So even though we we already have this huge amount of vehicles compared to other services in pooling pooling in Europe, we still struggle that um, we don't have sufficient scalability throughout the week. And that is something that we will tackle with the autonomous vehicles because they allow us to scale the fleet according to the demand of the customers way easier than it's Today, so we can resemble those typical uh, curves of demand that happen throughout the day in the morning and in the evening as strong peaks and uh, with a uh, bathtub hours in the middle. And uh, autonomous vehicles will really help us to, to get to the level of to the scale that we need to make it a real reliable um, service. And we want to facilitate all those learnings that we created, like comfort, safety, reliability, and bring that together in the autonomous vehicles right from the start.
0: During the start, will you operate, I mean, I use the term a hybrid service where you have X percent of your fleet is driven by humans, X percent of your fleet is driven autonomously to fill in those demand peaks. Is that how you envision that? And eventually will Moya go fully autonomous?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the idea. So by um, next year, we will launch the first closed user group test still with safety drivers on board. That's where we will test all the integration with Mobileye as our SDS partners, the vehicle itself from Volkswagen commercial vehicles, and then our solutions and the fleet control and the customer experience. And we target towards 2025, 2026, where we we pull out the safety driver and start full driverless operation. And in 2026, we expect to have a certified vehicle that allows us to go for scale, but with an industrialized vehicle. So a vehicle that really comes off the production lines of volkswagen can be sold can be directly used has industrial standards uh, and certification and then we are ready to scale up and extend the service in in europe and that's our target that by 2026 we start to scale out and uh, as you said we envision that this will be a gradual change From a mixed fleet approach where we'll add a few autonomous vehicles to more or less a balanced approach. And then later on, we will rely on mixed fleet to make sure that we also offer a service for those who don't want, for whatever reason, use an autonomous service, um, even in the long run.
0: You hit the nail on the head. Factory grade car. If If you're going to scale an autonomous vehicle service, you're going to operate it. You're going to have to have a car built from the factory. There's no other way around it. One, the public's going to demand it, and two, the regu- the regulatory bodies are probably going to demand it as well because there's accountability there. That The great men and women in the factories build great vehicles, and, it, and it's not somebody in a shop just putting pieces together. So you're right on that. Jan, you were at the table when the, if you want to call it the infamous or, or famous SAE levels were created, zero through five. You've got deep insight and knowledge into autonomy, Since you were there in the founding days, the early, early days, what are your thoughts on how the technology is evolving and where it's going?
2: What we've seen over the past, let's say, 10 years is companies still doing R&D for quite a while, figuring out what is actually the right technology to solve uh, both the technical problem, which is really how to make uh, the vehicle drive uh, autonomously in a reliable, safe, and secure way, but then also the, the interaction problem where we are working with Moya um, together. But then also, as you could see, can see more recently in San Francisco, and that's actually where Dasha pointed it out already, Germany Germany's already ahead, is the regulatory uh, framework. Germany has enacted legislation specifically for level four vehicles already a couple of years ago, which provides a framework with some limitation, but also really security uh, for the companies how to deploy the technology, whereas as you could, could could see just in the past few days in San Francisco, that is still a regulation um, in, in the making. So that's a clear difference between uh, the European and specifically the German situation and what we currently observe here in North America.
0: So do you feel that launching in Germany, which is part of the EU, gives you a competitive advantage because you understand how to work inside of a, a regulatory framework?
1: Yes, to a certain degree it does, because we have some sort of clear perspective on the risks that might occur during the development. There's a clear bar that we have to to meet um, and that is defined and we can really incorporate that into our development processes and make that uh, kind of the, the node constraints that we have to handle with. This gives us a better situation because we can go to the authorities and say, okay, here's the car that we have developed according to the guidelines that you have created please give us permission to operate so it's not a city by city day to day discussion in development where at the end of the day you have to meet and that's a uh, kind of the important factor for us that reduces the risks of the investment for the vehicle development cause we know what what we have to achieve to get the operational concessions ready
0: Oh as a for listeners listening you're you're testing in, in Hamburg today and let's just give another German say for example Berlin say you decide okay we want to launch in Berlin no date there what does that look like do you have to sit down with the authorities ask for permission is what does that the process look like from a regulatory issue expand to to new cities with, within Germany
1: yeah First of all, we we would need to have the certified vehicle, so that's uh, um, going to be approved, and then we have the vehicle and the processes and uh, all the systems uh, that that are required for that uh, ready to go. What we need to do then is to talk to the city and ask for a special uh, local permit, but that will highly relate on the the certification, so there we have to discuss in which areas we are allowed to drive, at which uh, point in time, so more or less it's the same as with to local regulation, let's say in California, that you have discussed uh, with. But then we are ready to go. And that's a real benefit. We need some concession from a um, viewpoint of the Transportation Act in Germany. So as soon as you start to transport passengers, you need some to meet some special permits. But that is something that can, can be easily achieved um, without any problem.
0: Jan, you understand this very well. Is there any Regulatory hurdles are around the software, things that as a partner to Moya that Apex has to go through in order for them to scale?
2: There, there are a few industry norms that we meet and that companies need to meet and that typically our customers, so Moya uh, and, and the Volkswagen Group, require us to meet. The most important one is ISO 26262 which is a functional safety norm. Uh, but then there are also certain information security and cybersecurity norms, which are actually quite standard and common practice in the industry. They are not in all cases required by law or regulation, but then almost all cases required by our customers, by the OEMs, or in this case, uh, by Moya as a right pooling company. And we meet all these uh, certifications. As we go in the future, as we go into additional domains such as aerospace or agriculture or marine or robotics, there are additional norms which we then need to meet for those domains. But they all derive really from the same called mother norm for functional safety, which is IEC 61548. So that's not really a, a big hurdle to jump over.
0: Do you feel that by having the certifications from independent third parties helps you to one, build public trust with the public that's going to perhaps ride in the MOI vehicle, but then more importantly, the regulators, when when, when Sasha goes to a regulator and says, hi, we're using Apex a by the way, they have the following certifications. Do you feel that helps you build that trust with both sides, both the public and the regulatory bodies? It it
2: does, and I think that's a practice in Europe specifically that's been established for a long time. In Europe, uh, you have type approval, uh, which is then typically granted uh, in Germany by the by the federal um, federal motor vehicle um, agency. But then they like largely rely on third party assessment, most most commonly by the TÜV in Germany and they now do that yeah, internationally. In, German, in in US, uh, the concept is significantly different here. It's self-certification and uh, the concept of third-party assessment is not that common yet. But I think that's coming because it, really, it, it works really, really well.
0: Why, in your personal opinion, Jan, is Germany in the, in the EU so far ahead from a regulatory standpoint? because it seems that America introduces a bill, it dies in Congress, and then we you repeat and repeat and repeat, and another bill's coming again in the fall, and we, it's probably not going to go anywhere. Why do you think the Europe, the EU, and Germany are so far ahead from a regulatory standpoint? Because it seems that when Sasha wants to scale, from his investor standpoint, there's clarity from from that. Why, why are they so far ahead?
2: Uh, your, your observation is correct. Uh, Europe and Germany specifically is far ahead. I think it's, it's a Complex question, what contributes to it definitely is the way the U.S. is set up and and how distributed and, and diverse things are. So traditionally, here in the U.S., the states regulate the driver, and uh, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, regulates the vehicles. Now, when we go into autonomous driving, um, the driver and the vehicle intersect. So there's an overlap. So some of the states, in the absence of federal regulation, then already over 10 years ago felt compelled to start to regulate autonomous driving. And that then started to create a patchwork of different uh, legislations and regulations, which are really, really, really hard to meet. But it it becomes even more complicated. It's not just the the patchwork of regulations, also the patchwork of infrastructure. Uh, you go to different cities, uh, especially here in the US, different paint for the lane markings is used. The traffic lights come from uh, different manufacturers. They have difference in brightness, different in the lighting source that is being used, and so on and so on. So it becomes much much more complicated. Germany, on the other hand, and that has a good side and a bad side, is um. Uh, very used to to being regulated on various levels. So there's a norm uh, for pretty much everything, including how roads are uh, to be built in terms of geometry, how paint is being applied to these roads and so on which feels overregulated at a time but now when it comes to autonomous driving, it is actually a huge advantage. you know exactly what to expect, in terms of a technical basis, but also in terms of a regulatory basis. So the, once you've agreed, Germany did that a couple of years ago, on, on that foundation, it's actually much, much easier to scale.
0: Sasha, you have the foundation to scale. When you sit down with, with a city and say Moya is interested or exploring potentially launching in that city, what is the value proposition that you pitch to that, those city officials?
1: First of all, as we act as a pooling only provider, we can prove that already today with our human-driven fleet, with all the constraints that come with human operations uh, from shift planning, hub returns, all that that is necessary, um, we can still prove that our utilization is today is already better than an individually-driven car. So usually in Germany a car is occupied with 1.1, 1.2 people per kilometer. In our operation today, throughout the week, we meet an average of around 1.4 to 1.5 so this is already an improvement we now use the data that we created today and run simulation and consider the advantages that autonomous vehicles will bring us in the deployment of the fleet with the increased flexibility that they have we can show them that with five or ten thousand vehicles in the city of hamburg we will not only create a great offering to customer but we also will have a positive impact on the efficiency on the street, because we will reach an occupancy of about t- uh, two passengers per kilometer driven. And that's uh, that's enormous. But that's only one effect. You need to remember that in Germany, we already, or in all over Europe, we have quite a strong public transport backbone. So mass transit for us is something that that really uh, is, is, is hard to, to challenge in terms of efficiency. They transport hundreds of people uh, with each train. And with ride pooling, we are able to offer an alternative that is as good as the car, which then has a compound effect that people say, "Okay, cool, that's the missing link. I can use public transport mass transit to get into the city. And at the evening, when I had some glass of beer and a good dinner and I wanted to go back home, then I have Moya as the alternative. And that's exactly where we are positioned to say we are partnering with the cities to develop an extension to the public transport system. That offers um, better occupancy, better utilization than a a private car, and at the same time gives a benefit that people will use public transport more often than before.
0: And then, will you connect to that public transport, and perhaps there's somebody coming in, airport pickups, if there's somebody um, um, on rail, you'll pick up on rail, will you connect to all those, let's call them transportation hubs, transportation points, will you fully integrate with that so the person can have a quote-unquote multimodal trip?
1: Yes, exactly. That's like like division. But most of the time, it's not this, this transfer situation where people say, okay, I use Moya for the first leg of my trip and then I hop into a train. It's more like uh, using it discreetly from another, but on the same day. So you use uh, public transport to have a commute, then you use Moya to get to the fitness studio, and then you commute back with uh, with public transport and, uh, and the train. And uh, it's really about the step in the middle, those occasions where you would uh, start to decide start to use your car in the morning because you know you want to go to the fitness studio. And that's exactly um, where we um, jump in, offer the alternatives, and that makes it um, uh, a good service uh, for for the customers. Well,
0: it makes it a good service for the city. Anything to reduce congestion in a major city is, is a home run. I was in New York City yesterday. To go half a mile took me an hour and 10 minutes to get into the Holland Tunnel. So if, if there's some way that you can magically reduce congestion in a city, I'm giving you a giant high five, and there's millions of individuals in New York City that would give you a, a giant high five for that, because it's it's not fun, and it's the only way to get there where I had to go. Jan, what you're building with Apex is, is scalable. What Sasha's building with Moya is scalable, and together, you're the scalable companies. As as you collectively look at the vision of Moya and Apex, how do you, you envision your relationship evolving over the years as both parties scale? So we already
2: all earlier talked about different vehicle platforms underneath the Moya platform. That obviously goes in both directions. Uh, once you scale to new markets, uh, you need a lo- localized and locally applicable autonomous driving system. So that is one area uh, for scaling that I can imagine. Then also once you scale into into more markets, you need a local locally adapted passenger management system possibly um, using different cloud providers they may require uh, other interfaces to their cloud so there are a lot of a lot of areas where we ultimately will need to scale once Moya scales
0: Sasha that's really interesting what Jan says from local adaptation is that a big thing as you go from say certain individuals drive differently in certain cities perhaps there's certain customs. Or ways that things are operated in certain cities. Does that you just take the Apex platform and you just say, Okay, we're in city A, we're gonna do blah 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 blah. We're in city B we do blah blah blah. Do you just pr- program that all into Jan's platform to ensure from a customer standpoint that it all it meets all their customs and traditions?
1: Absolutely. So For us, when we started the passenger management project, from our experience, it was pretty clear that we have quite a good idea of what we need to build, but reality will will, um, tell us that we are completely wrong. Uh, And that's still what we foresee for the next steps in development and also during localization. So we can have the perfect system in Hamburgs that works for the majority of our customers. And then comes localization, and you need to have to take care that the needs of customers, let's say, in southern Europe are different. We have the United Kingdom uh, close by, where you have a complete different perception on what customers want to have in terms of the service and what they, they expect. And with the Apex um, middleware, Um, It enables our own software teams to develop in an iterative and agile way. And that makes it um, really, really fast for us to get started and then refine over time. And also what we expect to learn is that We need to take care of people with disabilities to really make sure that autonomous vehicles are inclusive as possible. And that's also where passenger management and their functions step in. And uh, we we know that if you dig into the specific requirements of uh, certain groups with with disabilities, you really need to be aware and learn what works for them, what does not work, and really cater the software solution towards their needs to make that happen. only something that can be learned over time and with the apex platform as we decouple the functions from the certifications to the best uh, degree possible uh, we can make sure that we can adjust over time without uh, running a type approval again and again and again and that's really important for us so we can have this iterative way of development that we need um, to, to cater the need of customers.
0: For example, if there's an, a customer that, that that's in a wheelchair and you learned a piece of the data that if you did X to the, the pasture management system, that person could have a better experience. Is that something that you can develop from the Moya system and then push out to the to the vehicles without having to go back to Apex? Yes,
1: exactly. As long as it does not is not considered severely safety critical then we would be able to just deploy a new solution, bring it to the vehicle in more or less no time.
0: You can move fast and by moving fast, I mean, you can just constantly enhance your customer experience. Absolutely. And if you can constantly enhance the customer experience, you're gonna have stickiness. The customers are gonna keep coming back and coming back and coming back because you have the consistent experience and you have the ability to add new, new features because that's what Apex is enabling you to do. In my opinion, Apex is enabling you to scale and to focus on building a really great business while they build really great middleware software. Sasha, you're sitting here, you're getting ready to operate a very large fleet of autonomous vehicles. You're operating a ride pooling fleet today. So you're you're learning a lot. You've got a lot of insight into this. In your opinion, what does the future of autonomous vehicles look like?
1: yeah for for us it's clear that they will be a game changer for the mobility transition in in Europe so shared mobility with autonomous vehicles will become an important pillar of the future um, mobility. So why is that? It's for the reliability, it's for the scalability, and it's for the flexibility. And that creates a huge impact on the utilization, on the customer perception of our service. And that actually makes us able to scale into um, the European landscape. And one important fact is it makes it sustainable because uh, uh, not only from a financial point of view, we expect that less subsidies will be needed, even to the um, to, to the degree that uh, the service will be profitable, which is an unknown thing for public transport operators, I guess, all around the world. But on the other hand, it also makes it sustainable if we look onto the effects of the demographic change that we are facing, because already today, bus service operators, train line operators, uh, they are struggling with finding the sufficient uh, supply of drivers um, and it will get even worse in the upcoming 10, 15 years. And that's where we as an industry really need to work together to offer this this joint um, solution to this facing problem to keep our um, society afloat and um, offer inclusions and um, social integrations uh, for those that otherwise uh, would be missed, because they can't afford a car or they don't have access to public transport due to the lack of of sufficient services, and that's uh, really what we are aiming to with the autonomous vehicles—to offer to turn them into a, a tool for mobility that serves the common good, and that's that's really important to the bottom um, of our hearts.
0: You're giving individuals freedom they're they're not they're not limited to where they can go you're you're giving them freedom to explore and when you explore you learn and you have a a higher self-esteem and that's really good for for mental health you're giving you're giving freedom back there's no other way to describe it and that's the beauty of autonomy Jan in your opinion what's the future of autonomous vehicles look like
2: So it really goes back to what what Sasha also mentioned the the applications that we've seen scale the most and scale best and scale fastest are the ones that fulfill an actual need. In, in Moya's case, it's a, it's a lack of multimodal transportation and the future, the future need to address is really the lack of drivers. Another application that we see scale really well is autonomous trucking. We talked about that uh, in the past also and then uh, what we've seen is you know all these robotics uh, applications that scale really well uh, where there is also a, tr- a true need fulfilled if i now look at standard robot taxis that we see a lot here in the bay area in san francisco they directly compete with with the human driver and there's currently no lack of human drivers so that's an application that in terms of getting to profitability which ultimately for commercial company needs to be achieved, that doesn't scale as well. But uh, areas where drivers are lacking, yeah, those scale fast and well and and really fulfill a purpose.
0: Profitability is going to drive all this. Sasha, it's impressive what you're building at and I can't wait to see at some point VW will break out your financials 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And I think when investors, those myself get to look under the hood, it'll be really impressive, the metrics that you're going to be able to pull off gentlemen as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation what would you like our listeners take away with them today and jan i'll start with you sir please
2: yeah it goes back to how we started the conversation the the work with moya really has been a partnership having partnerships is very very important to scale because if you try to build everything as a single company it takes forever uh, whereas in a partnership uh, we can do together much 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 faster and it's been a lot of fun
0: working with moya and the fun's only getting started Sasha, what would you like our listeners to take away with them today?
1: For me, it's that as an industry, we really need to think about where we want to apply the technology that we build together. And I agree with Jan. It's about strong partnerships, about openness. And I think we also need the openness when it comes towards the application. So Do we want to use the autonomous vehicles for shared purposes to connect people to society or do we want to use them solely for profit? And I think that's a decision uh, that we have to take that will also massively impact public acceptance of autonomous vehicles in our street. And I think we should choose wisely where to go.
0: We have to choose wisely, we need public trust because without the public trusting the vehicles, autonomy will not scale. Today is tomorrow, tomorrow's is today, the future is a scalable partnership. Jan, Sasha, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today.
1: Thanks a lot, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thanks for having us, Grayson, this was great.
0: Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today when I am joined by Tom Prucha, Director of Electrification, Monroe & Associates. He'll share his thoughts on the current state of EV battery tech industries.
2: SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.